Hi, this is Tina. And this is Mia. And you're listening to Yet yeah, No. A podcast about starting a... Ah. A podcast about having a business at the... In, ah. A podcast about having a business at the intersection of design and healthcare. It was terrible that time. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've had a lot of caffeine right now. I feel like this... I had okay. a new tea. Oh. It's um, an Assam because they were out of Earl Grey, and I feel like it's like a different mode of caffeine. Yeah. It's got my eyeballs shaking. It's good. Let's start with the story of health. Today's story is a story about uh, a doctor at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine, which is Montefiore Hospital now. And she started a program at the University of Pennsylvania for young adults who were transitioning from pediatric to adult health care who were type 1 diabetics. And after doing a lot of interviews with them and working together with them, she created this program that is pretty well-rounded. It's not just a clinical program, but it allows things like peer-to-peer counseling, allows for addressing some of the social challenges. And what she found from that is that the type 1 diabetics were much more successful at transitioning. And when she looked at the data even closer, one of the things that she thought was really interesting was that her Caucasian patients did much better than her non-Caucasian patients. And by looking even further, she saw that her non-Caucasian patients were kind of economically challenged. And I think that the continuation of her work is addressing some of that. And she's focusing now on uh, those non-Caucasian economically challenged patients and trying to understand what are the social determinants of health. So what are the things that kind of surround your health that impact your health decisions? And that's where her her work lies. And she got a grant from the NIH, the National Institutes of Health, to carry out that work. And I think what's great is that she's asking these provocative questions that are hard to do in, in your everyday life because you're just trying to see patients and do all this work. And through that, she's kind of employing some of these principles of human-centered design and working together with her patients to try to understand what their challenges are. Right. Today, today, today. What are we talking about today? Today is... um Today, today. Oh, what are we talking about today? I thought we, we moved on. From- Sorry. Sorry. So what are we going to talk about today? This is a sequel. I love a part two. We should have a trilogy. Today's episode is going to be like Empire Strikes Back. Oh, which is the best one. Exactly. Oh, my God. Be prepared. This is going to be the best podcast listening experience of your life. You find out that Tina and I are sisters. I am Han Solo being melted right now. (laughs) I'm blind. (laughs) I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I lost my arm. Jabba's in the corner. <laughs> it's a big deal. Nerd alert. Part two. Oh, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. Oh, in season two, we had an episode on design and healthcare, which was our most popular episode uh, with our friend and colleague, Katie McCurdy, who worked at uh, University of Vermont Medical Center in their design group there and now has her own startup called Pictal. That was such an interesting uh, episode to look at it from a designer's point of view who's been working in healthcare, which is, that's our point of view as well. And we thought it'd be interesting to look at the other side of that. And so really talking to physicians and hearing physicians who are design curious and want to understand how 
to bring some of these design processes or how does design function within healthcare to improve experiences or help us get to more meaningful experiences within healthcare? Yeah, and we're interested in their origin story. I mean, why, you know, why are those things important to them? Why, um, what do they see happening with the acquiring of that knowledge? Today, we're going to talk to Lalita Abayankar. She is a family practice doctor at the Cadman Family Health Center, which is a federally qualified health center here in Brooklyn. And she reached out to us this year. She's got such a great spirit really entrepreneurial, wants to improve things within healthcare, has seen his friends who are designers, so is definitely falls into that category of design curious. Yeah, and today we're going to ask her a bunch of questions and make her answer them. <laughs> cool, let's call her. Hi. Hi. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Thank Thanks you for, for joining. Thanks for joining. Yeah, no. Lolita, we would love for you to give a little introduction to yourself. Also, if you could say your last name, because we've been probably brutally torturing And I it. hate that. <laughs> so, because my so. name gets brutally tortured all the time. Yeah, sure. My name is Lolita Abhyankar. I am a family physician. I am currently working at a federally qualified health center in Brooklyn that serves patients of all ages and of all backgrounds. And, and yeah, and I, I think I reached out to you guys earlier this year because I have been super interested in design. Do you, do you call yourself doctor? What's happened is we have like a really nice patient portal so we can communicate with our patients. So all of that, like my, my signature is Dr. Abhyankar. So I graduated residency maybe a year and a half ago and being a young physician when trying to like assert myself and have people take me seriously yeah I think that when people start to use my first name really kind of casually it puts me in a really different mode because mm. I I've I've known people that just haven't or patients who just haven't taken me seriously and then continue to call me Lolita not in a really nice way, mm. but I don't yet introduce myself as doctor, except maybe to medical students at this point. Right. We right. had a little discussion about that. Like, yeah. Because um, we'd be calling you yeah. doctor. Well, because we were saying, well, nobody calls me designer Tina Park. <laughs> <laughs> should, I, should I start calling you guys? <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Your, profe your profession should always precede your name. It's really going to make things right? very formal. It should be your identity. That's right. Uh, well, we are excited to have you on, and we yeah. love that you came to us, and you've just been very open, and we've talked about a lot of different it's things. It's been so fun to work together. Why did you get interested in design? Where did that come from, and how have you been using it? So I started to think about design sometime in February of my first year working. So I had been working maybe like four or five months at this point. And I realized when you're in residency, there's a constant flux, a constant flow of learning. Every single month you're learning something different. You're, you're learning new responsibilities. The learning curve is just a constant uphill battle. Um, when you're kind of working in an outpatient setting. And at that time, I don't think that my volume or my numbers were at the point where it was so much that I didn't have time to explore and think other things. And one of the things that I really wanted to kind of tap into was the creative aspect of my work that I felt like 
I wasn't really tapping into anymore. But then there's also a need in healthcare for good design. And so those, those interests kind of really came together nicely. For a really long time, medicine, I think, has been very physician-centered, very patriarchal, somewhat patronizing towards patients. And then there's been a flip in the opposite direction to talk about patient-centered care. But at this point, what's ended up happening because of that is that it's neither. I mean, one of the best examples of design in healthcare is electronic medical records. And that should essentially be, given all of the user-based technology that we have right now, electronic medical records is a slam dunk. Like, people should have asked, people should have talked to the people who are actually using it and designing it for them, right? Mm -hmm. Designing it for, like, what is helpful for physicians or any healthcare person when they're in the room. And now what we have is we have this amalgamation of just hideous software (laughs) that ends up really impeding care for both the patient and the person who's administering that care more than anything else. And granted, I think that we had a lot of technological limitations previously, and I think that that's starting to change now. But that's one of the biggest areas where, you know, like design could have really made a big difference if you had had the right minds in it uh, from the very beginning. I'm curious if you could talk more about that creative side. What is the creative side of medicine? Yeah, and do you think that that's a unique quality, or do you see it happening more? I think that medicine at baseline like it stemmed from a lot of creativity. My most fun days with patients are days where I get to actually talk to the patient and work with the patient and try to figure out what's going on. And then it's not something that I can't do anything about, right? Like there's there's an active solution building process. And those are probably like the most fun days, especially because I'm an outpatient physician. And so I most of what I do is not really super urgent but it has really powerful, I think, effects on patient well-being, patient health, to know what's going on or to be able to kind of figure out what's going on. So that aspect, I think, is very, very creative. I don't know about other people or how they, like, really go about the creative approach. I know a lot of my friends are very into different sorts of creativity. Either it might just be, like, knitting or crafting or it might be music or art in some other capacity. I think that surgeons, they get to work with their hands. I think that that inevitably ends up being a really creative process. What do you think are some of the challenges of bringing design into some of these clinical settings? A lot of stuff is already very established. This is medicine, while inherently curious, inherently exploratory, very much about improving what's already been developed, is also very traditional and very hierarchical. And that structure, while helpful for like an apprentice sort of like, I mean, I would not want somebody who hasn't been through some of that more traditional and hierarchical training, because I think you learn so much in that process. But I think that that also kind of can stifle the design aspect of it, to bring in new ideas, to bring in new things. Maybe we've been doing this all wrong. Maybe we just need to blow it up and start it over. Right. Like we talked about earlier, I think that it is really important to have that design aspect from the very beginning. Who are you creating this for? And how can, from the very beginning, by keeping that in mind, really create something that is helpful for everyone? Even if it's like the space within which you're seeing patients, or if it's something that's more like your recording tool, like EMR, or if it's 
I don't know, something like even like developing the schedule of like when doctors are going to be seeing their patients and how long patient visits should be. Like what really is patient centered? What really is physician centered? What really is human centered at the end of the day? Right. We love your mindset because it is, we can relate to it so much in terms of thinking, you know, about what, what could be changed or what could be improved or how do we innovate on this problem that's happening. We also recognize that like you're a physician and at the end of the day you're helping patients and so what resources do you need as a physician who wants to make change? I'm still struggling with that. Being really recently out of residency I think that a lot of my learning curve is learning the patients, learning the diagnoses, learning how to manage my time. Right. That's kind of where a lot of my energy ends up going currently and so really understanding how how I can improve upon things is something that I myself am trying to figure out. And so, but that's part of the reason why I reached out to you guys. I think that just learning how to approach things in a way is, is really important because inevitably just learning that process can motivate you to apply that process, even in smaller kind of settings. Like one of the things that I've done since talking to you guys is like, if I need to improve a particular I don't know, quality indicator, which is a separate conversation in itself. I've started to talk to my, like one of the medical assistants that I work most often with and kind of like, what's our plan of action? What's our goal? Why are we doing this? What's the big picture? And then how can we actually get there? That's awesome. So it's, it's a work in progress, but yeah, I think that talking, talking to more designers, being exposed to what it is to have like that design mindset. I think is really important. I know that there's a lot of doctors out there who are doing exactly that. And so I enjoy following them on Twitter and and all that kind of stuff. Us too. What do you think the end goal is? What's the vision? I I mean the vision. The vision would be to have like an environment where doctors are happy to go to work. They feel like they're well taken care of and that they're doing a project. Like they're they're working on something that, that they have the appropriate tools to work on with. And then patients leave feeling like they have been adequately cared for, that everything's just kind of designed towards the people who are actually doing it. It's great. I mean, one, we're thrilled to know you, and we've been happy to support more of this kind of thinking. And, you know, we feel so lucky you reached out to us, and we've been able to to kind of keep a collaboration going. And we're so thrilled to hear that it's influenced you in a positive way. I think that that's like a big takeaway for us is that even having Mm -hmm. these conversations can move things along in the right direction. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Lolita. It's been fantastic. Um, Thank you for calling. Yeah. Keep going. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Talk to you soon. What a great conversation. She's so great. You know, I think she wants to really be considerate in her moves when she's trying these new initiatives and making sure that she's being inclusive of the people that she's working with. I love that since talking to us, she's been working more closely with her physician's assistant and just being more collaborative. I think that that's really what's missing is that 
you know, the culture of med school is, you know, that you kind of have this hierarchy in this right. situation. And I think that it, it, what that really does is it makes things uber competitive. It makes things work in a lot of silos. Right. And while there are things that have to be collaborative in nature, like surgery, for example, right, like everybody's kind of working together in surgery, it's not in their daily lives and it's not in their improvement measures, you know. Right. The thing that we've been talking a lot with Lolita about is how structured design is. I think people look at design and say it's all about creativity or coming up with new ideas. But, you know, to hear her talk about like, what are our goals? And how are we going to break this down? And, you know, really thinking about it as a problem solving activity that needs some structure. Um, that's part of it, too. It's like some of the fun is going in and saying like, oh, I could come up with these solutions to solve this problem. But if you're not identifying what the right problem is, and what are your hopes what behaviors do you want to trigger? What do you want to get out of this improvement? I think, you know, hearing her talk in that way made me feel like, yeah, she's really absorbed a lot of our conversations and put them into action, Yeah, which is so exciting. Yeah. We, we need that. Recently, there's been an influx of, I think, articles and things like that in the mainstream about design and healthcare. Uh, in, in preparation for this episode, I was just kind of reliving some of the articles. Uh, like there was an article in the New York Times last year about design and healthcare. They talked about some of the work that's being done at Jefferson with Dr. Bon Koo. And um, they also mentioned um, a few other places. And in Harvard Business Review, there was an article, and I just wanted to read this one, kind of all-encompassing and pretty great at summarizing one of the most promising approaches for understanding patients' experiences has been design thinking, a creative, human-centered, problem-solving approach that leverages empathy, collective idea generation, rapid prototyping, and continuous testing to tackle complex challenges. Unlike traditional approaches to problem-solving, design thinkers take great efforts to understand patients and their experiences before coming up with solutions. This thorough understanding of patients, for example, those who regularly miss appointments, is what guides the rest of the process. And because design thinking involves continuously testing and refining ideas, feedback is sought early and often, especially from patients. And I think that that's kind of the, the crux of what we try to do, and it's just hard to do that in the kind of day-to-day -day for doctors. They're just not hardwired. And the ones that are thinking a little bit more creatively are trying to say, okay, who can I bring in or who can help me to try and employ some of these processes? There are doctors who really are doing a lot of design. I think design is really permeated within healthcare now, especially um, with design thinking becoming much more prevalent. I think people are starting to understand that design can help to improve and it's an important thing to, to consider. We, I think, have the opportunity to define a new role for design, uh, but I still really believe that it still needs to be a function. In general, we're always wanting to bring in more of the traditional clinical healthcare side. Right. There's a lot of administration that is kind of looking at that. But, you know, it's different when you're working with people who are on the ground and who are experiencing these things. And I think doctors are specifically challenged by some of the constraints that the just that the system puts on them. And we're always just trying to be encouraging of saying, you know, break, break. Break free, right. break free of the shackles yeah. as much as you can in order to try to bring design into healthcare earlier. Yeah, that's right. And have more conversations, not being afraid to seek it out. So, all right. That was a uh, good conversation. Good conversation. Yeah. Thanks, Dr. 
Abayenka. Designer, Park. And designer, Saki. So in our next episode, we're going to be talking about designing with disability. So it's a different kind of collaboration. And who knows, in next season, we might close out this trilogy conversation. Talk with design and healthcare. Part three, return of the design and healthcare. It's going to have Ewoks. (laughs) Anyway. Stay tuned for the next episode. If you want to hear more, please consider subscribing to us. Please feel free to leave a review. We love to hear from our listeners. Yeah, no podcast on the interwebs and Instagram. And our theme song was written and performed by Chess Smith. It's recorded at Figure Eight Studios in Brooklyn with Michael P. Coleman. And this episode was edited and produced by Tori Fox. See ya. Bye-bye.